Well, good morning. I'm going to invite you all to stand. Today we're going to enjoy singing some good old hymns of the faith, so I'm expecting you all to just to sing out today. And right now let's start by singing about how much we love Jesus because he first loved us. Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Thank you so much for being here. I hope that you've had a great week and uh, are having a great weekend so far. Uh, good to see your family with you as you guys are honoring that birthday today. And thank you for the beautiful table that you guys have provided for us to enjoy today. I uh, want to uh, just call your attention to some announcements that are in the bulletin. Uh, one of them primarily just being that uh, we're at the end of service today, we need to so select three messengers uh, to serve as part of our, did I drop something yet, yeah, of our uh, Stanley County, uh, Montgomery County Baptist Association messengers. So we're going to need to choose those people today at the end of service. We need three. Uh, the first meeting of the association is actually next week. Uh, on Tuesday, and so uh, you, you would need to be available for those meetings. Uh, next Tuesday is at 4 and at 6, and so uh, just to let you know about that. Uh, also, uh, we put more of the Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes out in the front foyer for you. You so graciously picked all 50 of them up that we had available last week, so we put more out there. Uh, if you have not picked up a shoebox yet and you would like to, I hope that you will. Uh, the deadline to return that is November 12th. And also inside of every shoebox is the label that you need uh, to put on the outside once you've, once you've uh, packed your box 
to indicate whether it's for a boy or a girl and then what age group of boy or girl it is for. So you just peel that label off, stick it on the front, and return your box here by November the 12th. Now, if we run out today, good news, there's more on the way. We'll have more out there next week. We'll keep putting them out until you get, uh, you get the boxes you need. We thank you for being uh, very generous in picking those up. Uh, November 12th is the deadline to have those back. We're five weeks away from VIP Sunday. Uh, we have up here on our, our front table two things. One is an invitation card that you pick up and you can use to invite someone uh, to come and be your personal VIP for that Sunday. That's November the 19th. Uh, that's the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And uh, we, we give you that so that you have something to put in their hands. It has the time, the date, uh, the place. All of that is on here so that you can invite them to be your VIP. Now, if they give you a yes, which we hope they will, that they will come, up on the, on the front table are these, which is our VIP response cards. So we ask you, if they tell you, yes, I will come and be your VIP, we ask you that following Sunday to pick one of these up. Uh, you'll put your name on the very top, and then at the, excuse me, you'll put the guest name at the very top, and then your first name at the very bottom. That's so we can pray over these. That's all these are for. Uh, we're not obligating anyone to anything, but we want to be able to pray for those uh, who have uh, committed to come that Sunday. So that's why we want you to fill out the, uh, the response card. You can leave it lying uh, there on the, uh, the communion table. And our ladies that meet every Tuesday and pray uh, together, they will pray over those uh, on the following Tuesday. Thank you to all who have already returned your box. You guys are quick. Uh, we appreciate that. And uh, again, thank you for what you're doing. Do you have something you want to say about the family day? This coming Saturday, October 20th, will be our Fall Family Fun Day um, from 10 a.m. until noon over in the Fellowship Hall. This is uh, sponsored by our children's ministry, and it'll be a, a great day of um, enjoying some crafts, some snacks. We're going to have some games for the kids. Just a, just a fun morning. Um, so I encourage you to bring your kids, invite friends. We've got plenty of materials. Also, it's not too late. If you'd like to help out in any way, you can see me or Becky Elkins or Heather Hartzell. We'd love to have you join us. We've also got two more events coming up. We have a Parents' Night Out coming up in November, uh, Saturday, November 18th from 5 to 8 p.m. Uh, we're going to just bring kids in, feed them dinner, watch a movie, make a Christmas present for their parents so that their parents can go out, have a date night, or maybe go do some Christmas shopping. If you would like to help us out with that, please see me. Um, and then in December, the first Sunday in December, we will have our night in Bethlehem. We will convert our fellowship hall into a Bethlehem marketplace and invite the community to come out and walk through um, and just experience the story of the nativity in, in a new way. If you have any questions, you can see me or Lori Green. Um, and finally, uh, for those of you who may not have seen it yet, our new children's church launch date has been moved to the first Sunday in January. Um, construction, you know, sometimes things don't go as planned. So that gives you more time to go and check out our gift registries on Amazon and Etsy if you would like to help decorate or outfit um, the new room. You can do there and just purchase a gift, and it will be delivered to us right here at the church. Thank you.
All right. Well, again, it's good to see you here today. Uh, I want to give you one uh, reminder, and that is that if you, you plan to go to the mountains to see the leaves change, they peak on Thursday. Uh, so if you go on a Saturday or Sunday on the weekend to miss church, you're going to miss the peak. So you need to take a day off and go on Thursday so you can be with us here on Sundays. All right? Let's take just a moment to pray together. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you so much for the privilege that is ours to be in this house of worship. And Lord, we thank you for every person who has turned aside this morning from their busy schedule, all the things that are going on in their life, to be a part of this worship service. And we know, Lord, that there's none of us that are here today by accident, but every one of us is here by divine appointment with you. And so, Lord, as we have, we have kept our appointment with you, you have kept your appointment with us. And, Lord, we know that there's something you want to teach us, there's something you want to show us, there's something you want to do in our life today, and that's why you invited us here. So, God, have your perfect will and your perfect way in every life in this room right now. And we pray, God, that as we leave here uh, this morning, we will be able to say that it has been good to be in the house of the Lord. We love you and we praise you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to invite you to stand once more and let's continue to worship through song.
are very blessed to have uh, Kinsley McNeil and her friend Nick Berenger to come and sing for us. A lot of us here have watched Miss Kinsley grow up. I remember her being very young and coming to see me in my office. Um, this is Miss Willie Curley's granddaughter, but we are very blessed to have them. And do you need this? Yeah, you've got your mics. Okay.
let's stand together and prepare our hearts and our minds to receive today's message. appreciate you guys not only being with us today to honor uh, Brother Bobby, but thank you for singing. It was awesome. And we, uh, we appreciate the family being here to honor that as well. You're smiling like, a, like you, you're just the happiest person in the world today, Lily. Got, got your family with you. That's a good day, isn't it? If you have your Bibles, would you join me in the book of John, chapter number 17. John, chapter 17. And you can find your way to verse number 13. John 17, verse 13. While you're turning in your Bibles, let me just uh, remind you to be in prayer for the nation of Israel. Uh, I know there's a lot of um, bad information uh, that is floating around in today's media about this conflict. 
Uh, folks, I, I hope you know that this is a conflict that's been going on uh, since the Old Testament times between Jacob, the descendants of Jacob, and the descendants of Esau, so it's nothing new. Uh, this is just a, the next chapter in that. However, that we find that God still has a special place and purpose for the nation of Israel, and they are still uh, His chosen people. And um, we, uh, as a nation, are very, I'm very grateful that our, our leaders are standing with Israel and supporting them uh, and encouraging them uh, because they are very special to the heart of God. They should be special to the very heart of God's bride, which is the church. So uh, be in prayer for all that's going on there <clears throat> in, in that nation. Today I want to read verses 13 through verse number 19, and I want us to look at the realities of our great mission. Beginning in verse number 13, we're reading the words of Jesus as they are in, in many of the copies of our uh, Bible, the words in red, and here's what they say. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we bow humbly in your presence this morning, knowing that we have embarked on one of the most sacred and holiest of times when we as the church, the body of Christ, open up the inerrant, the infallible, the authoritative, inspired Word of God, and we begin to read from these pages. And Lord, we will confess what you already know to be true, that sometimes our finite minds struggle to comprehend your infinite truth. So we pray that the Holy Spirit of God who moved upon the heart, the mind, the hand of the Apostle John to pen these words that now, Lord, you will move upon our heart and our mind so that we can understand them. That, Lord, we will do so much more than just gain knowledge today that but when we walk out of here, your perfect word will have done its perfect work by changing us, molding us, shaping us into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in that beautiful and wonderful name that we pray. Amen. There is a really neat museum. Uh, that's in Charlotte that I would encourage any and all of you to visit if you have the opportunity to do so. It's called the Museum of Illusions. Uh, this past summer, 
I had the privilege of taking uh, my granddaughter Lila uh, there, and uh, I'm just going to tell you, it was a lot of fun. In fact, as the proud grandfather, I want to show you a couple pictures, if I may, if you'd put that first picture up there for us. Uh, I don't know how clearly you can see that, but it appears uh, that Lila is defying gravity by sitting perpendicular to the floor. Uh, That's just one of those unique illusions that's there if you'd show that second picture please now how's that there's been no photoshopping going on there there's no uh, camera tricks there Uh, this illusion makes her look like a giant and makes me look like a child that's been sitting in the corner uh, being put in time out possibly if you would show that third picture please Now, believe it or not, she and I are standing in the same room about eight feet apart. You wouldn't know that if you look at that picture. It's it's meant to be an illusion. She looks like she's a lot taller than I am, which, go ahead and say it. It wouldn't take much to do. I know what you're thinking. But in this case, it makes it look like she's much taller than I am. And and if if you would put that last picture up. Now, this picture looks like the side of a building, and she's sitting out on a ledge. I'm hanging from a window. At least that's what it appears to be. My point is this, that perception and reality often do not match each other. The world, the very, the very world around us can distort our perception so that we're not able to, to understand the realities. The word reality is defined by the Cambridge Dictionary like this. The state of things as they are rather than as they are imagined to be. That's the definition of a reality as things actually are. They may They may appear as something else. They may be imagined as something else. But then there's the reality of what they actually are. In chapter 17 of John, we are reading what is most commonly referred to as the high priestly prayer of Jesus. He has... Uh, he has enjoyed the uh, final meal, that last supper. We call it uh, the, the Lord's Supper. He's enjoyed that with them, that Passover meal. He has told them of his pending death, of his pending betrayal, how he's going to be turned over and, and he's going to be killed because of the, for the sin of the world. He's going to bear that upon his shoulders. And... In this high priestly prayer, which he's praying right before the moments that he is betrayed, he reveals not only to the disciples of that day, but he reveals to us the reality of that mission. And the reason I say it's for us as well as for them is, is because we, we find it in chapter 17, verse 20. We didn't read that verse But Jesus said, I'm asking these things on behalf of not only of these alone, but for those who will believe in me through their word. In other words, the the word of God that would come through those disciples. As that 
as they would begin under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write what we know as uh, the New Testament, that we would learn about Christ and we would come to Him. And so He's praying for you and for me. He's praying for all believers that are, that are present in this room right now. So this is His prayer for us. So today, in order to ensure that we're not deceived or misguided as Christians as to what the reality of our mission is, we're going to walk through these few verses together and just ask and answer that question. What are the realities of the great mission that every believer, every follower of Jesus Christ has been given? Now, now I'm not talking about just church members I'm not just talking about those who are religious. I'm talking about those of us who have repented of our sin and have come to Christ in faith and received Him as our Lord and Savior. So what is the reality of our mission? The first reality is there in verses 14 and 15 as we have read them together. And it's simply this, that we are to stand strong. Throughout history, the unbelieving culture uh, that Satan is in charge of and has authority over has always had a hatred and despised the people of God. I mean, I don't think that's any secret, right? It's not a secret that, that there are uh, in our culture those who seek to ridicule, mock, and belittle the name of Jesus Christ. Now, the Old Testament gives us testimony of the world's hatred of the Jews. They were chosen by God to be the nation through which the Messiah would come to the world. And it's been evident as in recent events that that hatred uh, still looms large over the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. Now, if there's anything that's disturbing, it is when we see those in our own free country that are holding rallies and protests and shouting uh, in their mantra, death to Israel or death to the Jews. Because that has been the mantra, that has been the battle cry of the culture of the world that's controlled by Satan since the beginning of time. Since the choosing of the nation of Israel, that has been the battle cry. And we see that it's very much still today. But as we move into the New Testament, we see that that hatred by the world is now not only directed toward the Jews, but it's also directed to the followers of the Messiah and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That now we see in the New Testament what is being experienced by the the bride of Christ and the believers as what was experienced in the Old Testament by the Jews alone. And I don't think I have to tell you that Christians today are indeed ridiculed and mocked and scorned. And they're hated by today's culture. We are. We, we're an odd duck to the world. Because we look different and we talk different and we think different and we act differently. And, and it often uh, 
solicits that, that hatred toward us as believers. And so what he's trying to tell us is that, listen, if, if you become a follower of Christ because you think it's going to be an easier life, you are misguided. If you come to Christ and you seek his salvation on, on your life and on your soul, forgiveness of his sins, just know that when you do that, you have, you have placed a target on your life. You have placed a bullseye on you. The culture now views you as an enemy. You are now not part of the solution. You are now part of the problem. And so now they, they view you differently. It's not uncommon to hear people give testimony of times whenever they would uh, be convicted of their sin and they would come to Christ in repentance and turning away from their sin and they turn to Him in faith and they profess Him as their Lord and Savior that often it would affect the relationships around them. That the people that used to enjoy hanging out with them don't want to hang out anymore. That those people who used to be buddy-buddy aren't buddy-buddy anymore. Those who, who were once considered allies now consider themselves foes. It's not uncommon to hear of that. And so we have to understand that the reality of being a follower of Christ, the reality of embracing the mission we've been get, given is this. You're going to have to, you're going to need to buck up and stand strong. Because now you have become an enemy of the culture and Satan who rules over it. John chapter 17 verse 14 tells us, uh, as John is writing, uh, he, he tells us uh, that, that we are going to be hated, that we're not going to be accepted. He reinforces that in John fifteen eighteen when he tells them, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hates you. Now, folks, let me tell you something about being a follower of Christ. It's not about you. you it's not a personal thing it is a spiritual battle you have stepped from from what used to be fighting for the army of those who are against Christ to now you have changed your allegiance as a follower and believer of Christ to marching his mission and his orders you have changed your allegiance and they have done the same with you that where they once stood with you now they stand against you. And as followers of Jesus, we have to face that reality that we face a daily spiritual battle when we try to carry out the mission that we've been given of sharing the truth of God's Word. That when we go out to our workplace and our neighborhoods and our schools and wherever else life may take us and we start talking about the truth of God's Word, you will Find opposition. You will find those who will target you. Is it any wonder that on any given Sunday morning that churches just like ours and like we do have to have someone in uniform standing in a front foyer to stop those who may be having ill will and wish to do harm 
to God's people. Is it, is it any wonder that we have to do that? So don't be caught off guard, but yet don't be discouraged or deterred by the fierce resistance that you're going to face. Follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And so that's the first reality that we have to embrace is that if we're going to, to fulfill the mission that Christ has given us, if we're going to honor Him and glorify Him in our life, we've got to understand that the, that is going to entail us standing strong. But there's a second reality that's revealed to us, and that's in verse 16 and verse 17. When Jesus once again says they're not of this world, even as I'm not of the world. But then he uses a word that's a, a big church word that if we're not careful, we won't, we'll, we'll misinterpret. He, t- he says to sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus uses that word sanctify. Now let me tell you what that means. It means to set apart to a sacred purpose or religious use. It it means to to be set apart from everything and everyone else that is and mirrors the world. It's talking about purity. Uh, It's talking about integrity. Uh, It's talking to us about being free, living a life that is free from sin that so easily entraps us. He even tells us how God the Father sanctifies His followers. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We talked about this in our connect group with the youth this morning. We're going through Ken Ham's uh, answer in Genesis study about uh, how to defend Genesis chapter 1 through verse 11. We're, We're... all of the things that are true and real in our, in our world are, are set in place. And here's the question that, that we had to ask and answer this morning. Do we believe this book or not? Do we believe it or not? Is it true or not? And of course, the context there was, there are many who say, I believe the Bible. However, I don't believe God created the world in six literal 24-hour days. We think they used millions of years and billions of years and all these other things. But see, to, to do that, we are, we're saying, I believe everything but that part of Scripture. And my question to them was, as my question is to you, if, okay, if we can pick and choose which part we believe, and you believe this part, but I don't, but I believe this part, and you don't, who's right? Who's right? You see, the truth is, neither of us are. God has given us everything we need right here. He didn't cloak it in mysterious languages so that we couldn't understand it. He's led these translators down through the years to write it in our common language. And folks, listen, if God is big enough and strong enough and smart enough to use that many writers over the period of time that it took to write the the canon that is our scripture, he's big enough, smart enough, and strong enough to guide the hands of the translators who give us our English version. 
Now, again, we go back to, is it true or is it not? Is, is, it, is, is this truth or is there a mixture of lie and error in it? You see, that's, that is the very core of the Christian life. Because when God says that I'm sanctifying you and I'm going to use my word to do it, I'm going to use the word of God, not just the written word of God, but the living word of God, who is Jesus Christ himself. He is the living, breathing word of God. And, 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 and here's the beauty. As the living, breathing word of God, he's calling us to live a life that gives evidence that we have a relationship with him. That we are to be set apart. As a professing believer, our life is to either be drawing people toward God or the truth is we're going to be repelling people away from God. In our daily life, if we give no evidence of being different from from the culture and the rest of the world, if we give no evidence of living a set-apart life, then it becomes impossible for us to accomplish the mission of sharing our faith with other people. In fact, I've said this before, I'll say it again. The biggest problem in the New Testament church today is many professing believers are not living a life that is set apart from the world. We, we've allowed, listen, it's not that there, there's too much church in the world, which is what you'll, you'll hear from the rhetoric, rhetoric around you. The problem is there's too much world in the church. We're not living set apart. We want one foot in the culture and in the world, and we want one foot in the Word of God and in His truth, and we're trying to ride that fence. And that's why Jesus, as He's giving His letters to the seven churches, says to the church in Laodicea, hot or cold, make up your mind. Lukewarm makes me sick. Makes me want to spew you out. Get in, get out, get on, get off. Do one or the other, but don't live straddling that fence. He calls for us to be set apart. Why? Because you are not of the world if you're a true believer. You'll notice that I said just a moment ago, professing believers that are giving no evidence to living a life that's set apart. Saying that you are something doesn't make you that. Can I just go ahead and say it? I know that's contrary to everything that our culture says right now. That's contrary to everything that uh, the the media wants to tell you, uh, you know, that you speak into reality your own truth. Whatever it is you believe you are, you just say it and believe that you are, and that is what you become. There's a great Hebrew word for that that I want to teach you today, okay? It's hogwashamai. You want to know how I know it's, it's true? I promise you if I walk into the nearest, truest branch tomorrow morning, and I say to that teller uh, from across the, the, the counter, I am a billionaire and I am here to withdraw 16 million of my money. You know what she's going to do? She's going to go, all right, Mr. Ross. No, you're not. 
No, you're not. But, but wait a minute, wait a minute. My self-truth, my reality for me is that I am. But is that what I really am? You see, that's why we talk about professing believers versus true believers. Not everyone who says, I am a Christian, is a Christian. Not everyone who says, I'm a follower of Jesus, is a follower of Jesus. So he's talking to us that if you are truly one of mine, if you are truly saved by grace, born again, you are not of this world. He can't make it any clearer than that. He goes on to tell us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, because all that is in the world, and then he defines that, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the arrogance that's produced by material possessions is not from the Father, but from this world. He gives us so clear and plainly what it means to be a, a living follower of the true Jesus Christ. And he says there needs to be a difference between the believer and the non-believer. There needs to be a marked difference between those who, have, who are saved by grace and those who merely are religious. So that's reality number two. Reality number one, we're, we're to stand strong. Number two, we're, to set, we're set apart. And then reality number three is in verse 18, where in his prayer, <clears throat> he says this, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. So there's that third reality. We are sent out. I've got a, a great friend of mine. You've heard him preach if you've been here very long. He preached there in our, uh, one of our Monday night revival services. His name is uh, Reverend Jonathan Blaylock. And I'm going to let him know I'm referencing him here so he can, he can double-check everything that I'm saying about him. But there at his church, they've done an amazing job. They've, 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 they've put together their, their mission. And here it is. You ready? Become, believe, be sent. Is that not cool? Be sent. Believe, become, be sent. Because that is the mission of the New Testament church. That is the mission of every true born-again believer. Our Great Commission is stated in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible, which is, is just a, a, a different translation. But I want to read it to you. Jesus speaking says, but you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses to tell people about me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. In Matthew chapter 28, we know that verse is the Great Commission, chapter, uh, chapter 28, verse 20. And we're told in those verses, go and make disciples of all nations. And then in Mark chapter 16, we are, we're, we're giving these words of Jesus, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. What are you trying to say, Tommy? I'm trying to tell you that all four gospel writers, every single one, 
has said that Jesus told his disciples to go. To go. Christians, we have been sent into the world and that's where our mission field is. It's the people we work beside in the public arena. It's the people that we live beside in our communities. It's the people we go to school with that sit in the next desk or uh, that are part of the same organization that we're in. That is our mission field, to go. And we'll never fulfill our God-given mission as long as we refuse to go. Now, I I, I get it. I, I admit That there once was a time in the culture of our nation when we could rely on those of the world who were lost and and understood that they were lost to come to the church because they wanted to hear the truth of the gospel. There was a time like that in our nation and in our culture. But folks, I'm here to tell you those days are gone. Those days are Gone. We are very much in a culture that matches the first century Christians. And that is we are living in a pagan culture. We are living in a pagan culture. And in speaking of the United States once being a Christian nation, one of our former presidents wrote this in a book that, that he had, uh, had written before becoming a president. And here's what he said. What we once were, what, what we once were, we are no more. Talking about our nation being a Christian nation. Maybe we used to be. Maybe there used to be a time when we could just put revival out on the signs or, 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 or tell people we're having revival and the church would be full. But you know what? Those days gone. Now we can't even get those who profess Christ to come to those meetings, let alone the unbelievers. You, you see, it's a different world and a different culture in which we live in. In fact, those who, who do not know Christ, they're not looking for a local church to attend. They're just not. The fact is, for most of those who do not know Christ, God is not even on their radar right now. They're thinking about soccer practice and baseball practice and football practice. They're they're, they're thinking about their job. They're thinking about their hobbies. They're thinking about their pleasure. They're thinking about their plans for this weekend. They're thinking about their next vacation. They're thinking about their next cruise. They're thinking about whatever. But can I tell you something? God's not on the radar. God's not on the radar. If they will ever hear the truth of the word of God, it will be because a believer takes it to them and goes to where they are. So, that third reality. You're right. We are to stand strong and we are, we are to be, live a life that is set apart. But we're also to understand that we are sent out. If you are truly a born-again believer of God, two things need to happen. Number one, we need to stay before God in humility and in a heart of repentance and keep our relationship right with Him. Number two, 
we need to realize that every day when God allows us to open our eyes and gives us the strength to put our feet on the floor of whatever dwelling place we may be in, that that is the beginning of a new mission trip that day. That everywhere we go from that point forward, Walmart, grocery store, work, school, community events, organization, whatever it may be, wherever we go from that point on, we are marching into a mission field. And we are to live sent out. So those are the realities of our great mission. We're to stand strong. We are to live set apart. And we are to live sent out. So as we prepare to, to go into a time of invitation, I'll leave you with one simple question. How are you doing? If you are a child of God, you know that you are saved by grace. You don't think it. You don't hope it. You're not just speaking it, but you know it. That you're saved by God's grace because you've repented of your sin and turned to Christ for salvation. Then here's my question to you. How are you doing with the commission, the mission, the great mission that you have been given? How are you doing with it? Are you standing strong? Or are you kind of wavering in the middle? Kind of back and forth? You know, I don't want to, I don't want to tick too many people off. I don't, want to, I don't want to push too many people away. And you're just kind of back and forth. Are you living set apart? Those who may not even know your name, but they work with you, they go to school with you, maybe they live around you. If, if someone was to go to them today and, and knock on their door and say, hey, I, 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 do you know that, that person that lives in, in that next house or that, that, that across the street or, or down the road? Do you know them? And if they were to say, I've, I, I know who they are, I, I've seen them, and they were to ask, do you believe they are Christian? What would they answer? I've never seen any evidence of it. I'm not sure if they are or not. You see, if we're going to be living as Christ called us to, we've got to be sent out. How are you doing with the great mission that you've been given? We're going to stand together. We'll sing together. During this time, it's our chance, our opportunity And can I put it this way? Our obligation to begin deciding what are we going to do with the truth that we've been given today. You and I are forever, for all eternity, accountable for what we've learned and what we've read in this room today. We can never again say, I didn't know, I wasn't told, because that isn't true. But now we get to decide what we're going to do with it. That's what this time of invitation is really all about. And by the way, the invitation never ends with the end of the song. It continues with you as you get in your car and you go home. That invitation will be waiting on you when you get up in the morning and when you go to bed tomorrow night. It never leaves. It's always there. Are you carrying out the mission? How are you doing with that mission that God's given you? If, if you, you fall into one of those categories where you've kind of compromised some things, you're not as strong. Or, or, or maybe just maybe you're not living set apart. You've kind of let the world infiltrate your life. 
Or maybe you're not living sent out. You're okay with just coming to church and sitting on a pew and, and, and going through a service. Then can I tell you something? This is a great opportunity during this song. To bow your heart and your mind right where you are or in this altar or wherever you may choose to be. And say, oh God, have mercy on me. Forgive me. Forgive me for not standing strong on the truth of your word. Is it true or is it not? Is it truth or is it not? If it is, stand on the book. Are you, are you being sent out? Uh, I mean, are you going? If not, oh God, forgive me. I've kept my faith to myself, kind of tucked it in my own little heart. And I've not really done anything with it. If you're not living set apart and you've compromised the days of the day, you, you, oh God, have mercy upon me where I've let that sin slip into my life. Cleanse me, wash me. I repent of that sin, Lord, I come to you. Set me apart. Whatever you need to do today, this is the time to do it. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you thanking you that you are all-powerful, you are all-knowing, you have all authority. That, Lord, you have in love, mercy, and grace called us to follow you, to turn away from, from a life that is dominated and dictated by our own desires, to die to ourself, and to live for you. Lord, I pray that if there is a follower of Christ in this room, that, Lord, they've, they've started slipping in their duties as a follower of Christ. Lord, maybe, just maybe they're, 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 they're failing in one of the realities we talked about. How I pray, oh God, that right now, they would feel your loving arms of grace and mercy wrap around them as you call them back to yourself. That we as your followers will find ourselves in a place of humility and repentance before you, our God. That we will repent and return to that which you've called us to so that we can be used of you to share the truth of your word. Lord, in these next few moments, do in us what only you can do. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we prepare to sing.
thank you so much. I want to ask you to be seated for just a, a brief second. This will be very, very brief, I promise. Uh, which, who's our moderator today? Do we have one? This is going to take like five seconds. So whichever one, oh, he got up first. You're off the hook. All right, come on, man. You made a mistake of standing up first, so it's you. <laughs> Uh, do we? Do I have someone that's willing to just jot down the names of these three people as they are voted on and selected, so that I can put that in our minutes? Because I know Pam, our church clerk, you, you willing to do that for us, Karen? Thank you. She is still battling uh, cancer and has started her chemo treatments and not able to be here. So uh, we appreciate you doing that, Karen. All right, brother. Uh, okay, we just need three. Well, here, let's. Let's do this. I only have the dates for the fall meeting because the dates for the spring have yet to be set. Um, the date for the fall meeting is next is next Tuesday, the 24th. Uh, there's a 4 p.m. meeting at Prospect Baptist Church. Then there's a meal that follows that. It's, that's for all those who attend. And then there's a meeting at uh, 7 p.m. at Prospect Baptist Church. And so that is our fall meeting. So that will be the only ones I have dates for. The other one will be sometime in the spring, generally April. Okay. So this Tuesday in April? Yes. Okay. I'll I'll close with some prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all your blessings each and every day. And Lord, I want to pray for Israel. Um, Just wisdom to the different world leaders, the different people. I pray for protection for everyone, protection for the innocent. Lord, I pray for those who are wanting to do war and, and, and evil. Change their hearts. Help us as Christians to reach out to them and share that goodness that you have for us. Lord, we pray for anyone who here here today who maybe doesn't know you, that they'll heard this message, uh, they'll be heard your message, and that they will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Be with us as we leave today. Help us to go out in the community and serve and do your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.